0: That was really creepy intro music. Okay. Um, I didn't choose it, but thank you. Uh, I'm going to pray for me, uh, and you can join me. God, thank you uh, for this opportunity. Uh, I pray that you speak through my words. I pray that my thoughts are your thoughts. I pray that you prepare our hearts and our minds for what you want to do with this scripture today and how you want to speak to us and challenge us and encourage us today. I just I lift it all up to you. Use it to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, all right, so uh, my name is Grant Gaiman. Uh, as Steve introduced me, I am the ministries pastor here, which is my title. Essentially, that means I get to hang out with a lot of cool people that get to hang out with the coolest people I know, which are young people, right? And so, Anyone from young adult all the way down to kiddo, uh, newborn, I get to be around those folks. Uh, and so it's a, it's a joy for me, it's something I've, God has used me a lot, uh, to do uh, throughout my life. It's something I've grown to love, and I love to be around folks uh, that love to be around those young, young people. So that's what I do here. Uh, this morning I've been invited to share with you uh, to kind of continue the Gospel of John series. Uh, and so I'm going to be speaking from John 13, 1 to 17, uh, and you're going to see or you're going to hear me say the word serving a lot. Uh, it's, this is a pretty familiar passage I hope that maybe we can learn something new from it today, but uh, I kind of see this as an opportunity maybe to maybe brush off some rough edges, maybe, maybe there's some, some areas of your life that you let dust accumulate, like there's some things you know you should be doing but you're not, maybe some opportunities that you know are out there but you haven't taken them, and so my hope is that God kind of catches your attention, makes you think about kind of how you're orienting your life, and maybe just kind of helps you kind of polish it up a little bit. Uh, I'm going to leave that up to him. I'm just going to kind of share what, what I got on my mind. Uh, so let's kind of kick it off. Let's get into the scripture. Uh, we're gonna, you can turn to John 13, 1 to 17. You can read it off the screen. You can look at the back of your eyelids. It's all the same to me. Uh, so I work with teenagers, so I know how this goes. I realize I have like finite time until I lose all of you. Uh, it starts with the sixth graders and it works its way up. Sometimes I didn't get the senior hires from the start. You know how it goes. Anyway, we're going to just pour into it. We're in John. Uh, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything, that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that, I know the, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So as I was preparing for today, I, I had chosen this morning, I had chosen these section of verses because serving is a pretty big deal to me. It's something that I've gotten a lot of life from, and it's kind of shaped my relationship with Jesus in a lot of ways. I plan to share, share some more of that with you as I move on. But I also thought it was interesting because foot washing for me has been sort of, I don't know, I, I have a certain vision of it, right? So like, I grew up at Game of Mennonite Church uh, with Eric. and I'm just looking at you now, that's why I said that. Uh, but Eric was there and uh, we may have washed each other's feet at some point. That might have happened. So we did foot washing, right? And maybe if you grew up in like a Mennonite church like I did or uh, that, I don't even, did, did this church do that? I don't know. Is that a thing that we did here? I don't remember. I, it was before my time. But I remember foot washing and I remember as a child, I remember that it was, that was the day. It was exciting because communion happened too. So like we got treats and then, and then the adults did this like crazy thing where they like, all took their their shoe, like their weird shirt shoes and their stinky socks, and they took them all, and then they balled them all up, and they put them in their shoes, and they, like, they tucked them somewhere. And as a child, I thought, this was the weirdest day. Why are we doing this? And then they'd all walk. Like, the men would go out, and the women would go out, and the women had to go to another room because they had, like, extra socks and stuff to do. You know how it is. I don't, but it's a thing. And so, like, they would go, you know, to their places, and I didn't know what happened because I'm sitting there with stinky shoes and, like, all the other—and that's when, like, you know, the kids would behave— and, uh, and, and then, like, everyone would come back, and, like, put, and they, like, I don't know what happened. And then I grew up a little bit, and I was able to do it myself, and I realized they were just dipping their feet in water, and I didn't, I didn't like, understand. I mean, I got that this was, like, serving each other and that sort of thing, but that was my experience with foot washing. growing up. So I'm, I'm hoping that we can kind of, I don't know what your experience is. But I know what the disciples' experiences and I want, to kind of, I, want to, I want to kind of get into that. Like, what is this for the disciples? Why did Jesus do this? Was it just to sprinkle some water on their feet and do a thing? Or was there something more to it? I think there's something more to it, and I think you know that. So let's just kind of like hop in our time machines and go back to where this is. Right? So this is the week that Jesus dies, right? We know that they didn't. Jesus knew that. This is the week that he's like finishing up his ministry here on earth. So number one, we should pay attention to the stuff that he's doing, right? Because like, think about it. These are his last illustrations, his last words. Like he's wrapping up and he's leaving them with his like capstone. Like this is, if you get nothing else that I say, get what I'm doing right now. Because in like four days, I'm out of here and I'm pulling off Easter and you have no idea what that means, but we do because we read the Bible, right? But so like, we're in the time machine, we're with the disciples. They don't know what's going on, right? They showed up for a meal, Right? So we're pulling up for a meal. Their feet are dirty, right? They wear sandals. Their roads aren't paved. It's all dust and dirt. So, like, they're cruddy, they're smelly, but they're all too good to wash each other's feet, right? Because they're too important. They're disciples, they're hanging out with Jesus. These are important men, right? It's like if we could go to Matthew, and I think chronologically this happens a little bit before this meal. John, who wrote this book, who wrote this passage, his mom is coming to Jesus saying, Hey, Jesus where does my son fall in, like, the list of important people for you? Probably right beside you, like, to the left hand or the right hand, you know? And so, like, and then the disciples are like, what, how dare you? Like, I'm the most important disciple, you know? And, like, so they're fighting for power, right? So these guys think that Jesus is going to, like, create some kind of new world order where they're the kings, they're ruling, right? So, like, they have this very human understanding of what Jesus is doing, right? You know, their, their whole culture was wrapped around the idea that a Messiah was coming, a Savior was coming. They at least got that part right. They understood Jesus was that, but they had no idea what he was saving them for, what he was saving them from. They didn't know the kingdom he was building. They didn't know, they didn't know that stuff, right? And they're not ignorant or stupid. They're just human. We wouldn't have known it either, right? And so these guys are just, they're really just riding coattails and hoping that they get a chance. It's a power grab at some level, and, and you can't, we can't look down on them for that because how would they know any different? That's, that's how their culture worked. That's how their understanding was shaped. And so here we are, and, and there, you know, just moments before, I don't know how long, maybe a day or two before, Jesus has to suffer through this conversation about who's more important of his people. And so now he has this moment, right? He has this opportunity. Jesus teaches in his parables. He teaches with illustrations. Here's this moment where his guys are all together. They didn't bother to wash each other's feet because no one's... No one's low enough to do that. That's the servant's job. That's what slaves do, right? They're too good for that. They're going to be at the right hand of Jesus, right? They're part of the power grab. So they don't need to do this stuff in their mind. So Jesus stops everything, he says, no, we're not eating yet because y'all are filthy. You got filthy feet, right? Because they got the dirty feet, right? my mind, We went over that. They're literally filthy. I mean, he's also, he also talked about them needing to be cleansed, but like that wasn't, I don't think where he was landing here. Uh, it's an important point, but they literally were dirty and they were gonna be sitting on the floor to eat. So their literal dirty feet were gonna be near their literal food, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Jesus didn't wanna eat their scummy food feet. So he goes, look, y'all skipped a step. It's cultural for them. Like typically you would wash your feet. Don't miss this. They thought they were better than it. They were not living like servants. They were living like kings and they are not. That's not the kind of kingdom Jesus is building. It's not what he's here to do. That was never what he was here to do. They missed it. And so in his last week, in his last moments with them, he says, look, you need to understand the order of things. And so I am going to take my robe off and put a towel around my waist, signifying servitude. That is what a slave would do. That is how they would dress in that culture. So he dressed as a slave and he got down on the floor and he made them all watch as he did the thing that they all now know that they skipped. And I believe internally they're like, oh, whoa, that's—we missed something here. Like, I think he's getting their attention because he's doing the thing that they—they probably didn't even think twice about because they thought they were too good for. And now all of a sudden, their teacher, their Lord, he acknowledges that he's doing it. He's—he is beginning to show. I don't think they got the full story. I don't think they fully understood it. Jesus talked to that. They don't get it now, but they will. But I think they started to. So he goes ahead and he washes their feet, and Peter has that funny exchange that we can all laugh at, where he's like, "Well, yeah, well, like wash everything, God, you know." Like he gets, you know, like Peter, like he gets all like bipolar, and like and 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 Jesus is kind enough and say, "Look, no, you're washed, you're good. Not all of you are, because he knew that one of them was going to turn on him, right? Judas was going to going to be his uh, kind of undoing. But you're clean, but you're not. Your feet aren't clean, like quite literally, you skipped a step, and so." I, that's kind of the stage for this. Like, that's where I want to, uh, so I, I want to kind of talk about what it means to be a servant, to serve, right? And, and that's what Jesus was doing here. He was saying, look, I'm not this superhero king that you thought I was. I'm this other, I have this other kingdom in mind where, where we care for other people and we put other people's needs above our own. We walk in humility and we're, we're not the most important thing in our world, right? Okay. So what's the problem? So we know the disciples' problem. Like we, you know, we, kind of through, we kind of read through, or I kind of hopefully led you through where their brains were at, and I hope you can understand that's where your brain would be at, that's where my brain would be at. Uh, but why, how does that apply to us? Why, do, why does this matter to us, right? Well, the problem is, and the reason why this is a problem for the disciples, is that Genesis 3 happened. Okay, so if you read Genesis 3, you don't have to go there, uh, but Genesis 3 is where sin enters the world. It's where Adam and Eve ate the apple they weren't supposed to eat. They disobeyed God, creating this distance, this separation, right? They were in perfect unity with God. They, God was the center of their universe, right? They had, they, had, they had this untouchable relationship with him. They sinned. Man now has this curse, right? Uh, and, and now we have become the center of our universe, right? So we're no longer default oriented towards God, we're default oriented towards me. And so now your standard operating procedure is protect me, myself, and I. I want what's best for me. I want what's best for my people. I want what's best for the people I care about, right? And so that, that's what, that's what the way we're wired, right? And so very, very basically, I think Jesus is just confronting this and saying, look, back in Genesis 3, this got flipped, this got switched, and it's something that man, uh, that people are going to be wrestling with and tripping over uh, for the rest of time until I come back and make it, all, make it all better, right? All right, so to highlight this, in a moment, Rodney's going to play, it's a comical video. You're, you're, all, you're welcome to laugh at it, uh, but I hope that it highlights, my plan is that it will highlight how we can be... Sort of self-centered. How we can we can get stuck thinking about me, myself, and I first. Go ahead, play the video. (laughs) If is it working, I can act it out for you, but it won't be nearly as good. enough cards? Maybe. Baby. So. baby sales 14, here we go, and then unlock the this door. This is Black Friday, by the way. <laughs> Nobody wants a weed pit. All right? Thanks. Weed. Yeah. Twenty dollars. Yeah. And then I got the last ticket. Good job, Dad. <laughs> all right. It is like one of the best looks at humanity, right? Where we're just all like crowding into this space. Uh, grabbing what we can, you know, like I could have found, if you go ahead and Google or uh, whatever, YouTube, uh, Black Friday, I mean, you could find much more violent, much more angry takes. I mean, this was, uh, you know, family friendly, church friendly, but uh, <laughs> this is not like humans at their best, right? And, and so I just want to use that as, as an, an illustration for how we can get so stuck in just worrying about getting that last KitchenAid, getting the last... We fit, you know, whatever. Like we can get stuck getting, just worrying about ourselves. Every person for themselves. Yeah, that's, that is, that tends to be, if we didn't, if we weren't intentional, that could, that could be our, our default, right? If we didn't work on it, like, like I said earlier, sometimes we, we let that get dusty. Sometimes we forget that we're here, not for ourselves, but we're here to love God and to love others, Right? So it's because of that, that serving must be learned. It must be strategic, right? When I say learn, I mean like you have to like learn about what makes you tick. Learn about what makes you, what strengths you have. Learn about what gets you fired up. Learn about what you enjoy, right? The, you know, the gifts class that, that happens that's a great example of ways that you can learn, like the way you're wired, the way that you, uh, the kind of stuff that you've been given, so that you can use it. Not for yourself, not to, not to make yourself better or, or make yourself, uh, give yourself glory, but to, to love others, to serve others, to care for others. It's something that you have to be intentional about it's not it's something that it's not something that just like one day it'll like poof like oh i know what i'm good at i like uh you know i like I like to serve in children's ministry i like to i don't know what it could be it doesn't even have to be like serving at church it could be just like oh, i want to be like an awesome husband and like one day just like the light bulb will turn on you just like start listening to your wife and you know like like it doesn't just turn on right you have to try you have to be intentional this is true of like almost every area of life parenting being a coworker being an employee being a boss Right, You have to learn. You have to pay attention to the needs of others. If you're in any of those spaces only caring about yourself, no one's going to like you and you're going you're to wonder why you're all alone. Right? So that's why you have to be constantly growing and learning and you have to be strategic. You have to be intentional. You have to make a plan. You have to make time for it. You have to put money aside for it. Maybe you're called to be gener- generous. Maybe generosity is something that, that you feel like you're, you could be good at. Maybe you rock at making money. Maybe, maybe God wants you to uh, be using that money to help other people who need the resources. I don't know what it is. I just know that God's called us to be about loving others above ourselves. And I know that in this illustration of Jesus' work on earth, he left us with this commandment, with this charge. Like if you want to know relationship with me, you need to be focusing on the needs of others. You need to be serving, right? So I want to help us get better at that. Why? Why is it so important? Let's turn to uh, Ephesians two ten. We're going to turn to Paul. Now we're going to get a little bit of information from him. Why is it so important to live this way? To serve others this way? Ephesians two ten. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us. Look, it's not for us that we need to get better at this. It's not for our, we will be blessed and we will, as we learn about ourselves and as we learn about what makes us, you know, how we're wired and all that. So it's not, it's not the end for us, it's for others. It's, for, it's to glorify God because he created us. We are his masterpiece. So when we live this way, when we live as a servant, when we live putting other people's needs above our own, we're just, we're just he's showing off, right? It, it goes back to him, right? And at the end of the day, that's what this is about. And so when we live that way, when we are serious and intentional, when we're learning and we're strategic about serving others, then he gets to show off and his plans become true, right? The, way, the stuff that he put in motion, the things that he uh, set off, get to come true when God's things come true he gets glory and everybody is blessed right it's a part of what he's here to do he, he wants to bless us but we need to, we need to play our part serving is where we discover right so, so here's how I want to kind of share a little bit about like when he when we're starting to do what God called us to do and we're starting to step out and we're learning and we're being strategic and whatever you're going to find that you discover your purpose your calling and you're Jesus, right? I believe this is true because this is this is what I've experienced. So I just want to—I'm just going to share you my share with you my experience, and uh, you can kind of fill in the blanks on how yours matches up. Or maybe you can—maybe if it doesn't, uh, you can start start to ask questions like, how can you make it? How can you get better at? It? How can you grow in this area? Uh, so for me, serving is where uh, I have discovered my purpose, my calling. And my Jesus, right? And so like, like I said, like I just read uh, in Ephesians, you know, we're his, we're his master or we're his masterpiece. Uh, he's working through us. He's showing us his uh, design. Uh, when I have served, I have felt this. So it started for me at Woodcrest Retreat. I tried to find a really like cruddy old photo of me, but it just didn't show up well in the overhead. But there are they are they are out there, and if you ask me, I might I might share them with you. But uh, when I was in high school, I served at Woodcrest Retreat, but it wasn't because I wanted to, right? Because back then uh, I was going to Game of Mennonite Church, and my youth pastor was Phil Horning, who is the who was at the time the camp director, and Phil cared about me, and Phil saw something in me that I didn't see, and Phil. I don't know how many. It might have been two or three years. He, every time he was like recruiting, which I knew he was recruiting because that's when like he started saying this stuff. But he's like, "Grant, you would be awesome at this. You would be so good. You would enjoy this." Blah blah, blah. like saying nice things. And and I, if you know me well enough, you know I I tend to be like an opposite guy. So I'm like, whatever. No, no is easy for me. So I would just like I would I kind of cop out. I'm like, no, I, I'm not doing that. I was just insecure. I was scared. I'll be honest with you. The fact that I'm standing up in front of you is a miracle of Jesus. Like back then, I had no. I, you put me in front of people, no way. You give me responsibility, no way. I had important video games to finish and I had fun stuff to do with my friends that summer, right? Like that's what I wanted to do with my time. It was so me-centered, right? But Phil got it and I cared about Phil and he wore me down. So eventually I said, yeah, I'll try it. I didn't know what I was signing up for. I thought I was just gonna, I was just, Trying to shut Philip, honestly. Um, so I showed up at camp that summer, and it changed my life because I learned my purpose. I learned that I had strengths. I knew about them, but I was using them for myself. I was using them to gather friends. I was using them to enjoy myself. But I found that those same gifts that I used to gather friends and have fun with my family could actually help people feel comfortable and welcome. It could help them grow. It could help them enjoy. If they came, you know, you have kids show up, they're scared to be away from their, fam- their parents. It helped them feel good. It helped them enjoy their day. It helped them enjoy activities. Maybe they were a little nervous to try. So I found, like, in that moment, I was like, man, I didn't realize that the stuff that I had been keeping for myself to make myself feel better actually made other people feel better. That's crazy, right? And so, like, so in that moment at Woodcrest Retreat, for me, God kind of started to unlock a little bit. He started to show me his plan, why he made me, why I'm here, why I'm wired the way I'm wired, why they say, I say the things I say, why I'm into the things I'm into. I always thought it was just for me, but he started to show me, no, 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 that stuff's not for you. That's, that's for, for me, right? It's to glorify me. So I started, to, I started to get that, but I was just a teenager, and teenagers are amazing, by the way. But in this moment, for me as a teenager, I didn't fully understand what I was getting myself into. But I pursued it because I loved it. I found that I enjoyed it. So I, in my, I don't know why I did this because typically I run from this stuff. But in this moment, God kept me in this path of serving him and and chasing him. And it took me to TNT Youth Ministry. and It was there that my purpose and my calling, the stuff that I was starting to uncover, but I'm telling you this now because I'm like, a couple years removed from it, more than 10. And, and now I'm like, I'm understanding why I was doing that stuff. And, and, but in the moment, I didn't understand. I just was doing it because I enjoyed it and it felt good. But I went to TNT Youth Ministry in Ephrata. And in this ministry, I, was, uh, I started out as a volunteer, volunteering with uh, middle school students on a Friday night. And if you know anything about like, young adults, doing stuff on Friday nights I don't know why I was giving up my Friday nights. The answer is I had nothing better to do on a Friday night. Uh, But I was doing it. I was volunteering at TNT Youth Ministry. And in this ministry, I was put in the presence of deep dysfunction, families that were so broken, kids who had been through such abuse and difficult times, hard places, Stuff I never experienced growing up. Stuff I had heard of, maybe I read about. But now I'm sitting across the table from someone who was abused, someone who was uh, a child of an addicted parent, or they were struggling with addicted addictiveness themselves, right? And so, like now, I'm like staring someone in the face. That I'm like, I don't know how to help you, right? And so, how this helped me. <laughs> was that it showed me the transforming power of Jesus. It showed me how this God that I was serving all my life, that I grew up serving, that I, it showed me that he was real. He wasn't just this idea to understand. He wasn't just like this theology to wrap my head around. He was a living being who changed lives, right? And that was powerful for me because I didn't own that. I didn't understand that in my heart. I understood that here. I read the stories but seeing these young people and their families go from coming in broken and in darkness to experiencing light for the first time, experiencing hope for the first time, experiencing life for the first time, my faith grew like crazy because it became real. It became something that I knew was real. And so it, God used those moments, that season of my life, to see that he was real, he was powerful. He cared about me. He cared about other people. He was, and and like, that just blew my mind. And so for me, it flipped my kingdom upside down, right? Because up until that point, I was building me. I was doing stuff that made my stuff good, made my family good, made me okay, whatever. Made me, and, and in that moment, he said, no, no, you're not. Here. that's not the order of my kingdom. The order of my kingdom is so that other people could feel me. Other people could see me. Right? And so that's just, I wanted to give you a window into why I serve. And for me, it was youth ministry. But I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what it, I believe all of us are called to different stuff. For you, it could just be to be an awesome parent. It could be an awesome employee, an awesome, you know, in your, in your place of employment, are you just doing, are you making decisions? Are you saying yes? Are you saying no, just so that your little uh, sphere of influence could be protected? Or are you looking for ways to bless other people? to encourage other people, to, to help others that are struggling. I don't know what it is for you, but I know that God's calling us to be better at this always. And I know that when we get better at this, he's glorified. And so I just wanted to, uh, I just want to kind of get us thinking about it. So how? How can we do this? How can we go down this path? Uh, for me, it was a leap of faith into youth ministry for you. I think we all have leap of, leaps of faith to take uh, in, in the areas that God's calling us to be better to be more humble, to be more aware of the needs of others. But I want to turn to Philippians 2, 1 to 5. Uh, I have 14 to 18 up there, but I think I'm just going to stick to 1 to 5 for this morning. In Philippians, this is what Paul has to say. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I think it's pretty simple. We get caught, and that's why I said earlier that sometimes it gets dusty for us. Sometimes it gets, the edges get a little rough. They don't get polished enough. Sometimes we get stuck thinking that our existence is for ourselves, is, for, is, is me-centered. The reason we get stuck there is because Genesis 3 happened, right? Well, We all have sin that we're struggling with. We all have stuff that, gets, that trips us up, right? But if we can if we can agree wholeheartedly, if we can be unified, if we can care for others more than ourselves, if we can lift others up, right? If we can serve others the way Jesus served, right? We can wash the crud off of other people's feet so that we can eat together clean. Then I think that then we're beginning to be the kingdom that Jesus came to build, right? We're beginning to become the kingdom that Jesus died for to create, Right? And so that's what I want us to to focus on. That's how we can do this. We are never more Christ-like than when we are serving. And as Christians, as believers, we're called to be like him. And so I think that's, I mean, I, I don't know what that is for you, but I encourage you this week or as you go home, think about, is there areas of your life that you're like, I know I should be, giving this up or I should be when I say giving this up I I should be like loving this person or caring for this person or right now I'm just so worried about I'm so anxious that this thing isn't going to work out for me well maybe it shouldn't or maybe it should I don't know but like what why is it so about me what can you do to be worried about other people care for their needs align yourself so that you can be making a difference in their lives so that Jesus can shine so that God can get the glory so that his kingdom can reign. I want to pray uh, to wrap this up, and then the worship team will take it from there. God, I thank you for loving us. I thank you that in spite of Genesis 3, you sent your son so that we could have perfect relationship with you, so we could be cleansed. And God, as we think about that, as we think about how to live out that relationship with you. Help us to get better at serving others, at loving others, at putting the needs of others before ours. Forgive us for, what, for when we just let sin reign and we just focus on ourselves. Help us to be humble. Help us to, put, to, to love others the way you would have us love them. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.